devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. God is dead! Eighty-five percent of the teenagers in high school have been exposed to hardcore Satanism. Jesus wants me to live an abundant human life. Satan's pretty cool. some money to a good cause. We also have a few stories peppered in there for you. But first, let us pray. All hail Tony Baloney, King of the Ghouls. May your strangeness guide us and may our cup overfloweth with nonsense. Alright, now let's watch some TV. And welcome back to Worldwide Occult Wrestling. Apparently we're getting a message from... Am I reading this right? From the depths of hell? You know, for a minute there, Fog Machine, I was thinking about you every single night. I thought maybe you'd come back. And then I thought, you know what? I don't need you anymore, Fog Machine. And I can do things just on my own. And with a little bit of help with the guy downstairs, a little bit of help with the devil himself. Welcome to the Home Haunting Network. Tonight's offerings will include a mechanical monkey's paw, the Dyson Spirit Vacuum, a digital death clock, and a battery-powered tomb door opener. <laughs> we now return you to the Dark Lord Pledgeathon. Embrace the Void. Here at the Secret Society, we pledge our life to serving the Dark Lord in hopes that we will be cast into the void at the cessation of our life. 
now for opening the chat lines and for having everyone call in to pledge. Oh, thank you, Dark Lord. I cannot wait to be thrown into the empty void for the rest of eternity. Pledge your soul now. Hey, isn't that Devin Dill? I think she's married to Albert Hall from episode two. Weird. Uh, this happened when I was in high school. Um, I was with my best friend that I grew up with. And um, just down the street from where I lived, there was a state park that uh, we would go exploring all the time, especially during the summertime. We would go down there almost every day and just hike and like run around with my dog and play in the creek and stuff. Um, we were there one evening in, some, in the summer and I was with her and my dog and we were there a little bit later than we usually were. Um, we decided to leave, it was probably around nine o'clock. So even in the summer it was starting, the sun was starting to go down a little bit. Um, the way that the woods exit onto the main road, uh, the trail, the main trailhead ends and then there's a small paved path that leads to the main road, but the small paved path is still in the woods proper. And it was on this path that the incident occurred. Um, we had just exited the main trail and I was ch chatting with my friend, looking at her, when suddenly she stops and stops talking to me and her mouth kind of falls open a little bit. And my dog stopped at the same time too. And I had never seen him just stop like that. He's a lab, so when he sees something, he's apt to chase it. Um, but in this instance, he stopped and stared as well. And I looked ahead too, and maybe about 50 yards ahead of us, there was a oval-shaped, semi-opaque figure floating above the path. And I could tell it was floating because I could see the ground underneath it. Um, and I could see through it a little bit, but it was mostly white. And there, wa there wasn't any details to what it looked like. It was just a, a floating white oval. Um, and that's why I wasn't immediately frightened. I was uh, more perplexed about what it could be. Um, and it's, it's floating there. It looks like it's looking at us when suddenly it unfolds into, the best way I can describe it is a star shape, but it did not have the top, star, the top head of the star. It, was just, it just looked like arms and legs spread wide, still floating. And this is all happening in a matter of seconds, so we don't have much, too much time to process this. We're staring at it, it's staring at us. My dog's growling a little bit when all of the sudden it bursts into what the best I can describe is a dance. It moved its arms up and down and its legs back and forth in some kind of weird shimmy that made me want to laugh. But at this point I was, I was getting scared because I couldn't tell what, what we are looking at. This thing is kind of see-through. 
has no head. It's obviously some kind of figure, and it's interacting with us. It sees us, and it's dancing for us. After about 30 seconds, it stops dancing and folds back in on itself. The arms and legs sink back into its body, and it's the shape of an oval again. And it turns and floats into the woods. Did not walk. It it just it floated over the ground into the woods and disappeared. Uh, we realized that the only exit from the woods is to walk right by where it was. So I pick up a rock and leash my dog, and we are walking very, very slowly, trying to see into the woods to see where it went or what it was, and it was gone. Um, it, I tried to rationalize later on that maybe it was an albino deer or a man in a white jumpsuit dancing for us, but none of these explanations quite are able to quite rationalize the fact that we could see through it and it was floating. And uh, that's all I got. I ne- I've never experienced anything else like that in the woods. I grew up in those woods. The one and only time I've ever been frightened um, of a place where I had so much fun. Uh, and I don't think that I'll ever know what it was this Halloween at Ritual Rumble 2020 when I, Dry Ice, clamp my cold hands around that neck of yours. I'm gonna pile drive you straight down into hell. And then I'll keep you down there forever. And ever. And for the next 20 minutes, everyone who buys something will receive a bonus bag of ghost pepper chips. Mmm, deliciously ghoulish. Happy snacking. Mr. Couch Potato, someone just pledged 1,000 souls. Wait a minute, they pledged 1,000 souls? That's crazy. For your pledge of a thousand souls, you get a slightly used coffin, a ceremonial dagger, a goblet full of blood or wine, and a small potted succulent. Whoa, is that Mary Jackson from episode one? Crazy. There once was a traveling salesman, as there always is. And on one very rainy, upsetting, terrible, dark night, deep in the country, his car breaks down. Luckily, a farmhouse in the distance, a light on him in the window. So he seeks shelter. An old farmer and his wife are living in the house. And he goes inside and he has dinner with them. And they rent him a room for the night to keep him safe from the storm, of course. And they're having a good time and they're talking and they're having some wine and they're just talking about life and life on the road and life on the farm. And before bed, the farmer says to him, welcome to our home. I hope you're comfortable here. I only have one request of you. And I ask you to promise me 
that you will not, at the stroke of midnight, wander down the hall. That you promise me you will not, under any circumstance, open the door at the end of the hall. And I have to ask you, my friend, that you will never, ever even consider, I implore you, do not, through the light of the moon, look upon my daughter sleeping peacefully in the bed. You have to promise me you will not kiss her in the moonlight. And the traveling salesman is like, what the fuck are you talking about? No, he was nice, because it's probably in the 40s where people have manners. And so the traveling salesman drifts off to sleep. Around midnight, he wakes suddenly, a feeling he can't shake. A presence or something, he just has to get out of his bed. He stands up, and the room around him is completely dark, except for a light coming from the hallway something glowing under his door. He steps out. At the end of the dark hallway, he can see a light. Something draws him, and he starts walking towards it, completely forgetting the farmer's words. He approaches the room at the end of the hall, pushes the door open. He can see the light glowing. It's hitting something in the corner of the room. He steps closer, a beautiful woman laying on the bed, bathed in moonlight. He sees the outline of her face, beautiful, delicate. He looks upon her body, yearning, lusting, like a disgusting pervert who's broken into somebody's house and is looking at them sleeping. But P.S. This is happening in the 40s, so she gets weird. But back to the story. He peers upon her and can't resist. He takes a step closer. Something's pulling at him, telling him not to. But he looks at that beautiful face and he can't resist. He leans down and gives her a kiss. And suddenly, his mouth is filled with rice. He spits it out. That was the strangest thing. One more time, we'll see. I can't resist. One more time, I'll try. And so he tries again. He leans down and kisses her and comes back up with a mouthful of rice. He spits it on the ground. But if he weren't such a quitter, he would have swallowed. Oh, God. No, that's wrong. Women can't be funny. Never mind. Back to the story. The traveling salesman trots back to his room, upset and weirded out and with lots of questions on his mind. He drifts back to sleep, and in the morning when he awakens and walks downstairs to have breakfast with the farmer's wife, he says to him, I have to admit something to you. I have to tell you something. At the stroke of midnight, I was compelled. I was compelled out of my bed and into the hallway. And the farmer says, Oh, God. And the man goes, I walk down the hallway towards the moonlight and went into your daughter's room and the farmer puts his hand on his head and the traveling salesman says and I have to tell you I did what you told me not to do I kissed your daughter in the moonlight I kissed her two times and each time I came 
up with a mouthful of rice. And the farmer, standing with his hand on his head, lifts his eyes to meet the traveling salesman, and he says to him, You dumb bastard, my daughter's been dead for two weeks. That wasn't rice, those were maggots. Babby? Yeah? How's that new digital death clock treating you? It works great, but I don't need reminded every day when I'll die. Tick-tock, time's a-wasting. <laughs> I hate you, Babby. And I'm forced to love you, sir. <laughs> Be sure to tune in next week. We'll be having a sale on wizard corpses. <laughs> when the fog settles, there's gonna be nothing left but dry. Oh, chilling words from Mr. Dry Ice. Fog machine, look at. Have you been feeling empty, sad? Have you been feeling depressed? If you find yourself yearning for something more, you find emptiness in your life, then maybe you're ready for emptiness in the afterlife. Call now and pledge your soul to the Dark Lord for all of eternity. <laughs> I wish you wouldn't touch the microphone when I'm trying to speak. Holy shit. That's Forrest Vincent, from episode 11. Wow. My boyfriend and I, his cousin, and our two friends, who are also a couple, um, rented a cabin in New Bethlehem, PA. And um, we were right behind this place called the Little Museum, which is a renovated schoolhouse. It was built, like, in the 1930s, and it's just filled to the brim with uh, antique stuff from around the area, just tons of old war memorabilia. Um, they had, like, uh, hair wreaths and just all sorts of cool, old, significantly spooky stuff. Um, and the place that we were at was right next to a creek, um, and if you went down the road a bit, you could cross it via a bridge and either go up into the hill where there was, like, kind of a residential area or go down into this valley. Um, and uh, we, were, we were up pretty late, as you do when you're camping, um, just sitting around a fire, chilling. Um, and it was... It was about 2 o'clock in the morning, and the moon was super bright. Um, it was a full moon. You could see everything really well except for, like, this one patch that you would have to walk to. Um, 
to get to the bridge. Um, and it was right to the left of this very abandoned, dilapidated um, little house. And it was surrounded by just this, like, cost of trees that was set up in a way that when you walked through it, no moonlight was penetrating. And um, our friend Justina really wanted to play frisbee. She was kind of wandering around in the area. Um, the rest of us were kind of sticking close to the fire because, you know, it's the middle of PA. It's dark. We don't know the, the area or the people. You know, not, you know, super advisable to just go wandering about at night, but whatever. She's an adventurous gal. And um, she managed to convince uh my boyfriend and I and her partner to check out this other side of the creek. She insisted it was great. She's like, it's, it's awesome. It looks so cool over there. Um, you should come check it out. We should play frisbee. We, you know, I was like, all right, sure. Why not? Um, so we get to the bridge and are just kind of like taking in the view. And I notice kind of like down and further out in the creek, there's some style of animal. I can't really see what it is because it's dark um, and smidge inebriated, but I can still tell that it's something. To me, it looks vaguely bobcat-sized. It's hard to tell. Um, and my friend saw it, too. She's like, oh, check it out. That's cool. Well, let's go down into the valley. So I'm already, like, a little apprehensive because there's, there's a critter down there. Um... I don't, I'm not real keen on, on interrupting this guy's, you know, nighttime amble, but whatever, everyone else is kind of like gung-ho about it. I am feeling increasingly nervous, because, you know, supernatural happenings notwithstanding, you never know whose property that you're on, and again, a middle of PA, Everyone has guns, like, you know, like, and they're not real fun. Like, you know, you never know who, whose yard you're wandering into, you know? So, anyway, I'm just, I'm, I'm feeling, like, very, very spooked, and I can't, I can't really figure out why, aside from the fact that the lower that we go into this valley that's next to the creek, the more I feel like we are being watched intensely, and it just does not feel like a place that we're supposed to be in. Um, and I'm I'm getting real jumpy. I'm I'm not I'm not being cool at this point. I'm just like trying to like li listen more to my my gut instinct. Um, and at one point, I just kind of like remember like the hackles on the backs of my neck rising and we're almost like our friends are a bit ahead of us they're already in like and it, it is very beautiful it's like this lovely like grove of trees you know just kind of like this little like clearing next to the creek very lovely but it just it, something was wrong something was off it, it it just very intensely felt like a place that we weren't supposed to be in and we're about, I would say, 15 feet away from where our friends are. Something kind of compels me to look behind us. And I heard my boyfriend say, don't. And, like, the moment he said that, I saw this 
figure. And I can't really, like, in my mind now, it, it seemed closer than it probably was. But it was just a very tall person that seemed like they were draped in, like, a burlap sort of looking material with antlers. And I just, I just remember, like, seeing that and, like, just... I had never like felt like that intense of a surge of adrenaline before in my entire life. It was like the biggest fight, flight, or freeze response I had ever experienced. And so I, I just remember uh, yanking on Anthony's hand, being like, "We have to go. We have to go right now. This is like I'm not." And like our our friends were so confused because they didn't see anything and like when I looked back a second time of course it was gone so I'm like nope we gotta we gotta go um and so I dragged Anthony out of there um and we kind of hustled back to the cabin uh, when we passed that dilapidated house on the way back we both also felt like a very like jolt of of chilly air um and it was like an unseasonably warm night for october so uh we eventually made it back and our friends made it back and it was fine but uh that was my closest brush with what i feel was was some some style of of energy that was just like you shouldn't be here you need to you need to go and uh, to this day, I'm, I'm glad that, that I've listened. Thanks for tuning in to Fake Ritual, the podcast. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Fake Ritual and on Twitter at Fake Ritual Blog. You can email us at fake.ritual.inc at gmail.com. The show is produced by Lucas Sloppy. Not me. I'm Rufus Sloppy. The intro is created by Will Marshall. Music was provided in part by Johnny Arlett. Special thanks to Albert Hall, Caleb Pass, Nick Duarte, Mary Jackson, Forrest Vincent, and Devin Dill. Tune in next week. Something else weird. So long, folks.